I drive zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver? Nah, I couldn't be me. My fifth wide receiver, and it's only round seven. Not sure if I'm dead, cause I think this is heaven. Now forget what he said, and listen to me. What you really wanna do is stack those RBs. You can be Linda, just let me be frank. Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank. One says it's awful, the other says it's great. It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate. Welcome in, welcome in, welcome in episode 63 of the Dynasty Debates, the best kept secret in all of Dynasty Fantasy Football. I am your humble host, as always, Evan Brown, the humblest host in the biz. You can catch me on Twitter at FFEvanLution. You can follow the show at Dynasty Debates, or you can drop an email, DynastyDebates at gmail.com. So, guys... The draft has happened. It is, I don't even know what to do with myself. We've been talking rookies. We've been talking draft for so long. It's over. And I'm just in a bit of a, a draft hangover here. But I have a real treat today. I've got two amazing guests to sit and just talk through it and try and make sense of all the shenanigans. And first and foremost, before we go any further, I'm going to introduce these guys. And I don't really know how to do this. I feel like I'm uh, introducing like a heavyweight boxing match. In this corner, we have Cooter Doodle at Cooter Doodle on Twitter, social media manager for Matthew Berry's Fantasy Life at MB Fantasy Life, all around hilarious, kind, funny, lovely person. Um, give her a follow if you don't already. Cooter Doodle, how the heck are you? I'm doing really good. Really good. Good, good. And obviously in the other corner, as we go on with this boxing analogy, <laughs> the challenger comes in um, weighing. No, we'll skip that. We'll skip that part. Um, the wonderful and fantastic Pat Fitzmorris, the Fitz magic of fantasy, as I call him, at Fitz underscore FF on Twitter, managing editor at Fantasy Pros, betting pros, ranker, host of the of Fitz on Fantasy podcast, man of many talents, master of all. Um, Fitz, how the heck are you, sir? Evan, I'm doing really well. I'm glad you uh, didn't give the weights because, you know, after weekend in Vegas, I'm a lot heavier than when I uh, left a few days ago. But uh, thank you for having me back. And it's great to do a show with Cooter Doodle for the first time. It was long overdue. And, uh, you know, I've been a big fan of hers for quite a while. I mean, anyone who uh, Matthew Barry lets handle his uh, private venture social activity, you know, they've got to be pretty special. So. Absolutely. I I do not know the dirt that she has on Matthew Barry, but it is pretty <laughs> impressive. Um, absolutely. No, I am, I am so excited to have you guys on. Obviously, you've both been on the show before. It's been a while. So welcome back to the show. It's super awesome to have you here. And yeah, the draft. I mean... We're just going to have fun. We're going to talk about the draft. We're going to break some stuff down. Um, we'll talk about it from different angles, just from a fan perspective, maybe a little bit of insights and things like that. But there's just so much to think about and kind of unpack. I don't know about you guys, but like like I said at the start there, I mean, literally been thinking about the draft and building up to the draft and being excited about the draft for so long. And then it's just like, what do we do now? <laughs> what do we do now, now that it's over? Um Obviously, so the draft itself now here over here in Northern Ireland, it happens in the middle of the night. So I was up till five in the morning on <laughs> Friday morning, Saturday morning um, watching. So absolutely exhausted with COVID. I unfortunately tested oh, wow. positive for COVID on Wednesday. So I was just like, this is grim. But I powered through and the draft, I really enjoyed it. But I know that, Pat, I know you were actually in Vegas for the draft. Is that right? I was. I was. What was that like? Talk to me about that. Because I've been to Vegas, but never for a draft. Yeah, I've been to Vegas a lot, but never for a draft. Same. So uh, it was a once in a lifetime experience. I think every NFL fan should aspire to uh, check off the boxes of a Super Bowl and an NFL draft. And uh, the Super Bowl has always been a big deal, but the NFL draft. Man, what a show that has become. And the NFL really does an amazing job with it. Just, um, you know, I actually got into the theater Thursday night with a friend who is a season ticket holder, a season ticket member, as ESPN was very careful to say, uh, and the NFL. But um, so, yes, it's just Halloween and an NFL game. And um, I don't know what else rolled all into one, just the pageantry of everyone kind of in costumes and in uniform. And there's a house band playing and they're like, people kind of priming the crowd between picks. I did kind of miss the analysis 
because uh, when you're out there, there's no NFL network, there are no highlights, there's no uh, oh, yeah, pick that... by pick. You know, yeah. normally my thing is to be watching on TV and, and have a tablet open to a bunch of people's live streams mm-hmm. and texting and tweeting. And, um, you know, it was just kind of an information dearth. But uh, I still had a great time, and it was just, you know, a circus out there, and, um, you know, got my fill of $12 beers at the uh, NFL One fan experience, so it was a good time. That's amazing. Did you run into any sort of celebrities or any, like, any NFL players themselves or anything like that? I didn't. It was surprisingly uh, quiet on that front. I mean, like, in the theater, I mean, they had all the guys there, all the rookies were there, not sitting all that far from Roger Goodell, but away from the stage, no. I I would have thought there would be a chance encounter, at least with someone in the fantasy community. It didn't really happen, but just a lot of fans all over the place. The city was just bumping, so it was a good time. I thought the Chris Angel aspect was interesting. Yeah, (laughs) Like walking from home, I was like, okay, that feels random, but all right. That was super random. (laughs) What yeah, about that, so the million dollar question? Obviously, did you do any streaking while you were there? <laughs> Luckily, no. No, no uh, you didn't get too excited with any of the Packers picks and go streaking. Yeah, I was happy enough with their with their draft, but no, uh, nothing that raucous. And did you win any money while you were there? Definitely not. I, I won a uh, mock draft pool that some friends and I do every year, but that just kind of mitigated the losses in video poker. So. <laughs> Excellent. And Cooter Doodle, I am going to guess, I mean, you're from sort of like near the New Orleans area, aren't you? Mm -hmm. So, but you didn't go to the draft in person. So what was your weekend? How, what was your experience like of the draft? How did you, um, how did you celebrate or did you celebrate the draft? Um, Day one was the biggest day for me as like a watcher. And then a lot of it kind of centered around just hometown friends talking to each other about what are the Saints going to do next, you know, and did we make a mistake trading up and all that? So it was a lot of like Saints talk. Yeah. For me personally. That's awesome. And that's one of the things I was really excited to have you on is just kind of talk about it from just a fan perspective. Cause sometimes we mm-hmm. can go so far down the rabbit hole and we get way too into like the, you know, 17th, you know, the 17th rookie in the 48th round and all this kind of crazy mm-hmm. stuff that's probably never gonna be NFL rev- relevant, let alone fantasy relevant. But you know, the spirit of the draft is just being excited as a fan and being like excited for what your team is doing, or because I think it's that that hope, isn't it? Like the worst team in the whole NFL is always excited the week of the draft because yeah, it's like, Hey, this is where it changes. This is where everything goes different. And so I think that's what the the draft is all about is the hope and the excitement. And we get excited in fantasy, obviously with our, our rookies and our rookie picks. And especially if you play dynasty, we're hoping that our, our fantasy teams, but you know, first and foremost, I think all of us are pretty much, all uh nfl fans and so we're all excited you know i know for me i'm a vikings fan it was our first year with new head coach new gm you know there's a lot of change with the saints there's a lot of change with the packers so those are sort of the three fan bases that we represent and so yeah it was really interesting and intriguing just from a fan perspective certainly um for us so obviously we've got a lot to talk about here with rookie so i'm going to run through some just sort of q a that i've put together here just to get your guys's takes and i'm excited to hear sort of your take cooter doodle more from just a fan perspective like what mm-hmm. were your thoughts and opinions and then obviously maybe pat just more from um you may want to throw in some analysis analysis of different elements of the draft or different picks and things that happen. But again, there is so much to unpack. It was a crazy weekend. So we'll get right into that. Something is wrong with you. I got a fever. Adam himself could not resist the temptation of rookie fever. So it all starts obviously round one. So the first night of the draft is just the first round and all the drama, all the big names and all the trading up and trading down. So I just want to sort of take a little bit of time quickly to unpack round one because so much happened in just round one. It was it was unbelievable. It was mm-hmm. I honestly feel like this whole offseason culminating with the draft makes me feel like the NFL and the NFL GMs are running the NFL like we run our dynasty leagues. <laughs> like everyone is just like trading up, trade down get rid of this guy don't want that guy anymore wait no i want both of them <laughs> i think the next thing is just for the nfl to incorporate superflex. i think that is the next step <laughs> that they need to take um because they're really they're really going for it and i love it i'm here for the chaos so 
quick recap of some of the create well from my perspective some of the craziest things that happened in round one we saw aj brown get traded pretty much like as the titans were coming onto the clock it wasn't like at the start of the night it was like we're well yeah, into the picks crazy. i'm sitting there yeah i'm sitting there just munching away on my pizza loving the picks this is great and all of a sudden they're like aj brown is traded I'm like oh, choke you know like what what just happened um so aj brown goes to the eagles that was insane i couldn't believe that i just didn't expect them to let him go i mean he's one of the premier wide receivers in the nfl from my perspective him and derrick henry are like the face of the franchise um everyone seems to love him that just blew my mind and then right after that it was like hollywood brown's traded <laughs> i was like what is this every guy with the surname brown getting traded tonight or something uh, i got worried that in case i was going to get traded i didn't know what was happening obviously i had the vid i may have just been hallucinating at this point but hollywood brown he goes to arizona um that was crazy obviously there's a lot to talk about there the lions the line everyone was saying the lions might take malik wells at two obviously mm-hmm. they didn't the, we we get the vikings get on the clock and i'd always said i was like honestly like from my analysis of the draft and looking at it where we were at in the draft i was like if sauce gardner's gone which i expected him to be long gone you know one or two other players was like either i want us to take like a jameson williams because i think that would be amazing to have jameson williams partner with justin jefferson or i just want us to trade back and get extra draft capital because i thought that the real strength of the draft was in the second third rounds the depth and all of a sudden they announced that the detroit lions have traded with us back up into the 12th spot and i'm like oh okay well here goes malik willis then i guess but they take jameson williams so we trade with a divisional rival and give them like one of the elite wide receivers so i was none too pleased with quesi for that um and then finally another big shocker for me was only one quarterback taken in the first round obviously we know what happened as the draft unfolded but on that first night it felt shocking because it felt like we were being told you know three four five quarterbacks could go in the first round possibly um and only one win so i mean i just wanted to get you guys' perspectives on some of those talking points if there's anything that really jumped out to you or really shocked you about it but also both of you guys teams were really heavily involved in the first round so cooter doodle obviously like you said you had the two firsts that you'd already traded for then you guys trade up to get chris alave yes and you take a tackle so there was that whole thing people i know that was a big talking point was it worth trading up for chris alave um what did people it seems think like there? fans are kind of torn honestly yeah i don't know i personally am happy because i I love Michael Thomas, but there's been that what if with him, whether it's the locker room presence, whether it's the drama of him getting in fights and whatever's going on there last season and honestly to the last two seasons. So for me, I was comfortable with it because at least now we have something else other than Callaway to rely on. And I love Jameis downfield. So if we can have weapons, I'm happy. Yeah. No, I I personally don't get I don't understand what the drama is about really from a from a fan perspective. I understand that they gave up a lot of draft capital to move up, but I mean that that's what you have to do. Mm-hmm. Like you can't move up in the draft for free unless you're the Detroit Lions and the Minnesota Vikings just give you a pick, you know. But uh we'll not go there. I'm just being a better fan. But no, I <laughs> I love that because I agree with you 100%. I mean, first of all, I think people are really sort of disrespecting Chris Olave. I mean, he's a super talented dude. He's the all-time leading touchdown reception, you know, leader at Ohio State, which is a super prestigious school, and that's a super prestigious title. So I think he's a great route runner. He's an amazing wide receiver. And like you said, even if Michael Thomas comes back and is mostly the Michael Thomas of two years ago, he's still getting a bit older, Mm -hmm. and he can't do it all himself. You know, and and Jameis Winston, as fun as he is, he's not Drew Brees. So, you know, he needs some help. He needs some more weapons. So I thought it was a really solid pick. I mean, I can understand maybe if, if people wanted them to trade up and take, um, you know, Jameson Williams instead or something maybe like that. But I can't mm-hmm. understand them being too upset about getting Chris Olave. I mean, as a solid, solid wide receiver. And what are your thoughts, Pat? I mean, where do you come down as somebody who's not obviously a Saints fan? But what were your thoughts like on the outside looking in? I guess I thought they were going to make some sort of move for a quarterback because when you make a, a trade that far in advance of the draft, it just seems like the, the Saints were angling for some sort of quarterback move. And then it just seemed – it never made sense to me that they were just sort of targeting – all the drafts, the mock drafts, had them taking wide receiver and offensive tackle and, and granted two needs for them. And I just felt like that was – too easy a storyline and they were going to do something else and then I was dead wrong and they did wind up taking a receiver and a tackle um I like the players and I like the value you know I thought all that was fine it just seems strange to me that they made that move so far in advance and were willing to give give up such a big chunk of future draft capital 
for just kind of a conventional draft night for them. Um, yeah. No, I understand that. I like think the players, I, though. Yeah, exactly. And I think as the draft unfolds, we see how the NFL truly valued that quarterback class. So that makes a lot of sense, yeah. you know, when you see that, well, realistically, none of the teams really saw those quarterbacks other than potentially Kenny Pickett as an answer for them, you know, long term, somebody they want to really build around or really invest a lot of capital and, and, and idea of really moving on with being their franchise quarterback. But you know, to the point, I think that they look back at last year and obviously Cooter Doodle can correct me if I'm wrong, but my my thought process, my look at it would be, man, they have they were really unlucky with a lot of injuries. They were missing a lot of key people and they still we're quite close to making the playoffs. I mean, they have a really good defense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've got a good coaching staff. I know obviously they've lost Sean Payton and everything like that, but I mean, they've got a lot of really interesting pieces and I think rightfully or wrongfully, I think they still consider themselves contenders. So I think that's why they were being aggressive and pushing those chips into the middle is because I think they're looking at, okay, our defense is really good. Um, Michael Thomas is coming back. Alvin Kamara is still really good. Um, we think Jameis Winston is good enough. We need to yeah. get a couple of more pieces around him, and we can still make a push at this. And so I think by moving their 23 first into 22, I think they're just like, well, let's go for it now. And I think they're kind of betting on themselves and hoping that their 23 first is a lower first. You know, I think they're hoping that their 23 first is a bottom 10 first, and so they're going to be out of that quarterback race anyways next year, you know, if they have a, a if their first is a 22nd or 23rd pick and off the board. So I think that would be sort of their process. I mean, is that your kind of feeling of it, Cooter Doodle? Is that the kind of vibe that you're getting down there? Yeah, and honestly, I think it's just the whole concept of we have this new head coach now so we're getting to see something different which is nice you know what I mean like a lot of people have said this isn't Sean Payton's team anymore and you can tell and so I think how things go down this year is going to be really interesting just to see now that he's not you know the head of it yeah absolutely and again if you look back I mean you guys totally shocked the Packers like week one just blew them out of the water and you know up until James got injured up we, until Jameis got injured, you guys were, you know, what were you like six and two or something like that? Yeah. It was and Jameis was not throwing the interceptions people thought he would last off season. Like he was looking good. I'm comfortable. Yeah. If he is who he was at the beginning of last season, I'm very comfy with that. Exactly. I think if your team is where the Saints are, which is solid enough that you, especially in your division and things like that, that you could compete. I think mm-hmm. Jameis is a better option than one of these rookie dudes that you're yes. just hoping comes in and, you know, is going to make a lot of mistakes anyways. They're going to have a learning curve. We we know that with, with rookies in general, but especially with this rookie class. So I, I was sort of, I thought it was interesting and fun and i like that they really wanted to get their dude and there's obviously that ohio state connection there with olave and michael thomas and stuff so hopefully hopefully it'll be really really fun to watch um and then obviously what do you think about the packers moves they had the two first as well they ended up not going wide receiver loading up in other areas were you happy with that or were you kind of disappointed or what was your thoughts i was pretty happy with it i mean that run we saw with wide receivers six of them going in an 11 pick stretch from pick a to pick 18 and just I think the price would have been so exorbitant for them to move up into that range to jump anyone to get one of those guys. I was okay with them not paying that price when they had other issues to address. And uh, one of them was, you know, we've been playing, you know, some defensive ends who I'm not that crazy about. I was happy to see the Devontae Wyatt pick because I think he's like a a perfect 3-4 defensive end. Um, The Quay Walker pick was pretty interesting. I mean, linebackers who can cover are pretty precious in this league. And I do think he's going to be like a pure three down linebacker. And then, you know, they still got a guy who could have been a first rounder. Um, Watson is just such a size speed freak that I I think he was worth, um, you know, a late first round pick and they got him just outside the first round, even though he put up pretty mediocre numbers against, you know, bad competition at North Dakota state. I think Sky's the limit for him, and I think the floor is like Marquez Valdez-Scantling is like a big, fast guy with questionable hands. So I think he can be at least that, and there's you know room for much more. Yeah. No, it's, it's interesting, obviously, to see both of you guys have such rational, like, takes, you know? Because, I mean, we're used to these, like, <laughs> like ridiculous over-the-top, you know? I was hoping that one of you guys were going to start screaming and flip over some keyboards or something. But, <laughs> no, I mean, maybe that'll be me when we start talking about the Vikings a little bit more because I'm pretty annoyed with our, our draft in a lot of ways. But I think from the first round, then, my biggest surprise was the A.J. Brown trade. I just was so shocked. Mm-hmm. You know, I just didn't see it coming. And I didn't see it going to the Eagles even, really. Like, I just did not see that coming at all. Um, what was your guys, like, what was your biggest shock of the night? What would you say? 
Cooter did it all go with you. What, I would what say was, that. Yeah. Just yeah. because it was such a, um, like when we talk about dynasty and we talk about all these players that we just rank so highly and we see a future for them. I don't think anybody would have ever predicted that that team was cool with losing it, you know, losing that piece. Um, I get that both teams have to do what they have to do, but I just don't think anyone would have predicted that in any way, shape or form. Yeah. And I mean, for me, the hype of just hearing about it, like I get a rush and I'm sure y'all do too, but like when you're watching TV, you're getting the text messages, you're seeing Twitter blow up. And it's just like this collective moment where everyone's like, Oh, you know, like that's the fun part for me. Yeah. It's awesome to see everyone's live reactions, like everyone mm-hmm. freaking out together, you know, cause sometimes you come to stuff late. Like you're like, Oh, everyone's talking about this happened yesterday and you're just finding out about it. But when everyone's finding out at the exact same time, it's really interesting to hear the the commentators freaking out and then Mm -hmm. you're freaking out and your friends are freaking out and everybody's freaking out but pat i think you had a slightly different biggest surprise i'm sure you were surprised by the aj brown thing but what was your biggest surprise of night one see that's the thing i was uh you talk about everyone freaking out at the same time well my phone died somewhere around pick 15 or pick 16 (laughs) and i was in the draft and as i said there's like no nfl network analysis there's no uh so like we saw that the uh we saw the pick that the cardinals had moved out we had no idea what they'd given up like we we just didn't know anything about the aj brown or marquise brown trades until afterwards we left after the packers second pick and reconvened with you know our friends who were in the beer tent next door and you know they were like what do you think of the aj brown deal i'm like what deal uh, they kind of laid out the details so that's um, so weird because we assume that because you were there you know we, we almost feel like you would have had it first and known first whereas we're obviously sitting thinking about it and you're like that's crazy they got Traylon burks and aj brown what are they gonna do with that yeah, you know, if, if one of the other Packer fans or Vikings fans around us would have said something about it, but no one was, uh, you know, everyone was kind of just focused on having a good time more so than the details of those trades. So um, for me, like the the Jahan Dotson pick kind of, I think that signaled to me that the Packers very, very well might not take a first round wide receiver. Just when he went 16, that just, you know, screamed how uh, expensive the wide receivers were going to be in that first round. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I, I think you're right. I think it was frustrating probably from from a lot of Packers fans because they really wanted that first round, first round wide receiver, you know. But I think the value just wasn't there anymore when so many went so quickly. You know, I think it would have been nice maybe. I think some Packers fans probably would have wanted to see them be more aggressive the way they were in the second round, in the first round, and go up and grab a Garrett Wilson or go up and grab one of those kind of quote-unquote elite top top shelf dudes but yeah i mean obviously i wish that we hadn't been the ones to give you the the picks in the second round to be able to go get watson because i really wanted jameson williams and then i really wanted watson for us and i'm like what are we doing here guys come on i mean i know it's your first year and i know you want to make a good impression in the neighborhood and everything but giving away top wide receivers to the competition that's not really i'm not really a big fan of that move Quessy. so let's get it together here but um yeah, no, look, what we'll do then, we'll just obviously we spend a good bit of time, but I think night one, you know, first round of the draft is the most important anyways. Um, quickly there, just to wrap up on, on night one, did you have a favorite pick? Like we talked about our biggest shocks or anything like that that kind of blew us away. Was there anything that you just thought was brilliant or you just love that fit or you love the pick? I overall just enjoyed the narrative of the fact that, uh, was it Malik that dropped, right? Is that how you say yeah. his name? Really and goes, just yeah. the concept of how it just reminds me of how much we all don't know of what everybody's valuing, right? And so it reminded me the fun part of like fantasy football is you really don't know what your teammates are going to do, especially in those home leagues, like the crazy stuff they're going to pick early or reach for or whatever. And so I enjoyed the narrative of that shock more than I guess necessarily a certain pick. Uh, yeah, no, that that's really fun. That is a great way of looking at it, um, for sure. I think for me, I, I enjoyed that a lot as well. Like you said, just the shock factor, the curveball that it threw us because we we're all sitting like, waiting. When is this quarterback run going to come? <laughs> and it just didn't. Um, I really liked. Uh, it's, it seems random, but I really liked the Panthers taking Iki Iquanu at six um, because I felt like they're so desperate. I thought they were going to make a really bad decision. I thought they were just going to reach on one of these quarterbacks, even though none of them were like a top ten talent. I thought they were just going to reach and take Kenny Pickett or take Matt Crowell or somebody like that in the top 10 just because they're so desperate for change. And I thought that would be a terrible decision. But I'm so, so I was really like happy and like really proud of them for like doing the right thing and taking like the best tackle available when it's such an area of need for them and just being patient and waiting and seeing how things shake out. So I really liked that pick. And what about you, Pat? What was your favorite sort of pick of, of round one? 
I thought the Ravens getting Kyle Hamilton at 14 was a guy like I'm just shocked that he wasn't uh, a top six or seven pick. Just I yeah. feel like he's the, the most bulletproof guy in this class. It's and, insane. Uh, yeah. A guy who like barring injury is just guaranteed to have. a. I, yeah. Really That's what I mean. Career. When I realized that we traded back as far as we did, I was a little bit disappointed because I was like, well, Kyle Hamilton was still on the board and Jameson Williams was still on the board. Like I would have been really happy with us sticking and picking either of those two dudes. Um, especially when you think that we traded all the way back and then ended up taking a safety anyway. <laughs> so it's like, why didn't we just take the premier one that was on the board right there in front of us? But uh, no, I don't get it, man. The Ravens are like, they literally are, they are just, Something is going on with them. Every year, they just have these players fall in their laps like over and over. And you're like, why are you letting them get away with this? Like, this is not fair. Well, hey, they have their bad luck too. I mean, last season, all the injuries, right? So yeah, I know, but then when luck. you see this kind of draft happen, you can't feel sorry for them. You're like, no, <laughs> I refuse to feel sorry for you. You get so many ridiculously good players for like free, basically. But um, yeah, we'll look, we'll move on then. Day two, a couple of the highlights of day two. Obviously, there was loads of wide receivers went. There was 11 wide receivers on day two. Another big crazy thing was there was no quarterbacks through the second round. I think we all sort of, as we were talking about Cooter Doodle, we were saying like, oh, it's crazy. None of these quarterbacks went in the first round, but they'll all go in the second round. And everybody was like, there'll be a big run at the start of the second round. People will trade up. And we got to like all the way through the second round, not one quarterback taken. It was just, it was wild. Um, there was actually six running backs that got day two draft capital, which is a little bit more than I thought there would be. I thought there might only be two or three. So it was nice to see a couple more squeak in there. Um, for me, Similar to what you were talking about, actually, for me, the biggest surprise of day two was the quarterbacks. It was like I was kind of shocked on day one, but I was like, okay, that makes sense because most people that I that I respect and listen to their opinion on things like quarterback evaluation, they were mostly saying these guys are maybe second round evaluation quarterbacks. You guys would be comfortable in the second round. So, okay, that makes sense. The NFL is going to go go for it. These guys are going to go for it in the second round. And then when nobody went in the second round, I was just like what is happening like this is wild i thought i'd missed something um was there any other big shocks or anything that stood out to either of you guys from day two of the draft anything that you were like i can't believe this happened or just you know maybe that stood out as something really intriguing well i was going to ask your opinions on this both of you like do you think it's that teams are recognizing they can do just fine with these middle tier quarterbacks and get the wins and so they're rather do that than kind of get these losses starting these new guys or putting the time in with them early. Like, what do you think that is? Why are these quarterbacks dropping like that? That's a really good question. I mean, Pat, what are your, what's your take on it? I just think it was, you know, regarded as an exceptionally poor year for quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Just one of those like drought years, you know, it's like uh, the, an epic drought or something in the Midwest and corn prices spike in a summer. It was kind of the same thing. And I mean, we might see a remedy next year when there are like all these good quarterback prospects and we might see guys who are like in a normal year might be later on prospects getting pushed up after a year where no one was adding new blood, but it was strange. And I think that was for me, the story of round two, like Malik Willis, we were uh, joking about like Malik Willis's, uh, you know, meeting where he and Mike Tomlin had lunch and they got wings together and everything. Like what could Malik Willis have done to offend Mike Tomlin? Did he get, (laughs) did he get like plain wings with no blue cheese or, or celery? Did he get like, you know, Parmesan garlic, some lame flavor or something like that. Like, or maybe he ordered like seven portions of wings and then left Tomlin <laughs> with the bill. Yeah. I mean, it just seemed like that, that lunch had to have gone wrong at some point for, uh, you know, Tomlin to pass on him when he fell into his lap at 20. Yeah. No, I mean, I think I sort of feel like it's, it's a culmination of a bunch of things. I think that a lot of the teams sort of fix their quarterback problems pre-draft, you know, so like obviously the Broncos and, you know, even the Saints tried for the Deshaun Watson thing, then they decided to go with Jim. So quite a lot of the teams decided on their quarterback situation pre-draft. And then even some of the guys that needed a quarterback, I feel like they did something to bring in like a bridge quarterback. So for example, the Steelers, they brought in Mitch Trubisky. So I feel like they were sort of like saying worst case scenario, we have a guy, we got a dude, you know, like Mitch Trubisky, he's not, you know, Patrick Mahomes, but he is, he is a starting level quarterback. He can start in the NFL. He can get us through this season, you know, if we need to same with Mariota and the Falcons, you know, I feel like they brought somebody in and they're like, when that kind of stopped them from being desperate. And I think the Panthers were like, okay, well we already went through one year of Sam Darnold. We can do it again if we have to like worst case scenario. Um, so I think it was like, yeah, a culmination of a bunch of things. Like Pat said, there was probably just people being like, look, let's not fool ourselves here. These guys aren't, you know, 
Andrew Luck, even Trevor Lawrence sort of level prospects. Let's not push all our chips in the table. And then I think maybe some of the guys are looking down to next year thinking there's some better a better class so maybe they're trying to build the infrastructure and then hopefully have that last piece of the puzzle be the quarterback next year could be some of the thought process as well but i thought it was very interesting when it went through the second and then even a lot of teams passed again on the third round Mm -hmm. especially when you think about for me i thought it was really shocking seattle passing and choosing to basically be like yeah we'll roll with drew lock you know like we're good with drew lock uh maybe there's still something there with the baker thing maybe they're trying to play for baker i could see that happening you know especially i remember i heard um an interview with pete carroll on maybe the third day of the draft and he was a little bit coy about sort of the long-term plan there he was sort of just like oh you know we like the guys we have but we're always open to competition and (laughs) all those coach speak answers so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out for sure um I think that for me as well, when we moved into like day three, we saw what we expected with like the running back run. There was about 16 running backs went in day three. So loads of running backs went in like the fourth and fifth, sixth rounds. There was even more wide receivers. There was actually 14 tight ends went on day three. So there was a big, huge run on tight ends. Um, A lot of the guys that we were interested in for fantasy went in day two, like we expected. Some of the guys dropped, you know, for me, one of the guys dropping that I was really surprised by was Khalil Shakir. Like I was so shocked by his drop because honestly, I loved Khalil Shakir when I was watching his tape, when I was looking into his stats, when I was just like doing my scouting on him, I genuinely was just like, oh, this guy is locked and loaded, third round pick. There's no way he's getting out of the third round. And then he went into the fourth round. Then he went into the fifth round and he eventually went to the Buffalo Bills, which is a great landing spot. That hopefully, you know, hopefully he'll have some success there. But, you know, when we're looking at it from a fantasy perspective, we don't like seeing fourth and fifth and sixth round picks for our wide receivers. So was there anybody that kind of kept dropping and kept dropping that you were super shocked by or anybody that maybe on the other side of it got picked way earlier than you thought they would? I I'll let say, Pat answer that. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, yeah, Shakir was one for sure that just was stunning. And if he winds up replacing uh, one for one Cole Beasley as the slot receiver in Buffalo, I mean, that could be really valuable. Um, like, I like, I thought the Packers got a bargain in Kingsley uh, Engbare at the end of the fifth round, who uh, some people had graded as like a second or third round guy. Um, the Patriots just kind of baffled me the whole way, and they picked uh, Bailey Zappi, who, yeah. you know, a, a guy not exactly renowned for his arm strength, over Sam Howell, who, that was the fourth round. And, like, Sam Howell was a guy who went in and had immediate success at a Power 5 school, North Carolina, as, like, I think he was an 18-year-old freshman, maybe a 19-year-old freshman, but, like, immediately successful against some, you know, powerhouse defenses and um continued to have success maybe stagnated a bit his third year after he had lost Javante Williams Michael Carter Deami Brown uh Daz Newsome so like for him to go in the fifth round just seemed like really strange and, and Bailey Zappi a guy who um you know I talked to some people who were at the senior ball and said this guy just doesn't have an NFL arm but then again, nothing the Patriots did at the draft really made any sense to me. So, uh, you know, maybe Bill Belichick is just a galaxy brain dude who's, uh, you know, playing 4D chess while we're playing checkers. Um, but, yeah, that one kind of baffled me a bit. Yeah, I mean, I think I kind of understood it in the sense of, like, I understood why they didn't go with Howell over Zappi because I think they were drafting a backup quarterback. And I feel like if they drafted Howell, he's almost, like, too good where it would, like, maybe be a little bit intimidating possibly um you know for uh for the incumbent you know guy who's only just out of his rookie year i thought maybe it would be a little bit intimidating possibly whereas a guy like zappy you know you're bringing in like a backup i think what was more confusing to me is like well why take him in the fourth round because like you probably could have got him in like the sixth round or seventh round you know like or you could have got somebody like him like jack cone or something like that in the sixth or seventh round you didn't need to take him in the fourth round so yeah their their whole draft was a mess in in my opinion um but yeah i mean just looking at it as the draft overall i was just curious then sort of who did you think did the best or had the best draft class overall yeah i thought it was no the, clue. Uh, <laughs> um as much as i love the ravens first round and second uh first two days I was a little confused by some of the moves they made in uh, on day three, just loading up at tight ends when they maybe had a lack of receivers, taking a punter early. So, like, the one that just 
for overall value I, that kind of stood out to me was the Chiefs. And you sort of talked about it. Like, they just sort of hit the compulsory needs in the first round, Evan, and then they um, just getting Sky Moore, like, after the, the Patriots had taken Taekwon Thornton, who's 40-time uh, they were apparently blown away by. But, like, Sky Moore, a guy people had talked about as a potential first-rounder going pretty well down in the second and could just be amazing in Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes feeding him. And then a, a guy, you know, as a you know biased University of Wisconsin fan, Leo Chanel, who um, since they do this thing where they combine a bunch of the athletic tests and, and call it relative athletic score, and they've been doing this since 1986, and of like, I think it's 1,800, 1800 and some linebackers who have been tested since then. Like, Chanel was fourth in relative athletic score and wildly productive as a Wisconsin linebacker. So for the Chiefs to get him like late in the third was just, um, I thought they had such a good day too that that kind of propelled them to the top of my draft grades. Yeah, no, I definitely, I think there was like, there was a quite a few teams that I thought did really well this year. Like I really was impressed with the Giants draft overall. I was impressed with the Chiefs. I was impressed with the Ravens. I was, I, re- I personally give it to the Jets. I just think when you think, you just expect the Jets to screw it up somehow, don't you? Like, you just expect them to, like, mess things up somehow or fumble things. But I just thought, man, their first round, getting Jermaine Johnson in, like, what, pick 26 or something? Like, and then getting Brees Hall at the top of the second and just, like, so many picks that I was like, wow, that's really – oh, wow, that's really – oh, wow, that's really good. And it was just like – you know, so I was just really impressed with how they put their draft together, the the variety of needs that they met, the fact where they got some of the players. Like it was just really impressive, I thought. So, you know, it gives the, the the guys that, you know, the gangrene team like something really to be excited about, something to be really hopeful for. Um, what about then Kudadil, where this is I wanna know what your take is. Like you already mentioned the Chris Angel thing. That was weird. But like what was your what was your sort of favorite or what was your highlights of like the sort of weird and wonderful side of the draft? Like I I did you see there was like a there was like I a what were they called? Being there was interesting. Um there was like this comedy duo or something that was coming out. Did you see that? They were like coming no. out to announce one of the picks and like they were like the the, some, the cheeky boyos or something they called them or something like that. And they were like one of them was sitting on the other's shoulders. Then they like fell and like one like fell and like knocked like looked like he knocked himself out. He's like laying on the ground and the guy's like, uh, is this is this part of this the show or I don't know what's happening? And it I was so funny. No, I did not see that. But I thought it was interesting though, like this was the first time as a watcher that I've known like all these people on Twitter that are going and they're in the crowd and they're there. So that felt it made it feel like it wasn't such a like unattainable event. You know what I mean? Like knowing all these people yeah. that were there. And so I thought that was interesting, but, um, but just to go back real quick to your thing about the jets, I just think it's like exactly how you started off the podcast. Like it, the draft day one and this whole concept kind of gives teams hope. And I know we like ragged on the jets the last two years or so, but it, like you said, they've turned it around. They have a new head coach, you know, they don't have Gase anymore and all these things. And so, it is kind of nice whenever you see teams get out of their funks as well as like the ones that are always holding kind of falling down a little. And so, I don't know. I like the idea of that. Just kind of, it's not like, of I don't know how long ago was that when the Cowboys just ran it on everyone year after year, you know? And so it's nice to kind of see it flip. Yeah, no, I think that you're exactly right because I think we all love an underdog story. And so mm-hmm. you so get used to the Jets and these certain other teams, the Jaguars being like these almost laughing stocks, you know. And then when you start to see them turn it around, get a good head coach, make some good picks, get some more draft capital, you know, and see them being on the right end of like trades. <laughs> like, you know, you, you're used to seeing them get hosed in trades or like making horrible first round picks or like, you know, even – yeah, just like pay, they obviously they got roasted for taking Jamal Adams so high years ago, and you know, but then they were able to trade him for two firsts, and then they've been able to use those picks and get more picks, and they they're just it feels like they're doing a lot of things really well, and so it's really exciting, and I feel really good for those fan bases because like it was great to see the Bills, you know, in these last couple mm-hmm. of years, the Bills are now this powerhouse team that everyone loves and wants to be part of Bills Mafia, but like if you look back even just like what five years ago everybody yeah. was just like laughing in their sleeves at like the bills and like you know just kind of an it was an eye roll or a bit of a like a joke you know that the bills were anything or that the or that you were a bills fan you know so it is really cool to see these teams that kind of 
turn their fortunes around. And, and, and at the same time, like look at the Patriots, like five or six years ago, man, it was right. like they could do no wrong. Like everything they touched turned to gold. And now it's like they're kind of quickly becoming a bit of a laughing stock. Like everyone's sort of downing their dra- their their draft class in general. Like what are they doing? They're taking a, a guard in the first round that was probably like a third round grade. They're taking like, you know, wide receivers that, you know, there was guys like wasn't like Pickens, Sky Moore, multiple like really interesting, really solid. I mean, not even talking about Shakir on the board zone. They took Tyquan Thornton. Like, you know, it's just like, what is going on? Like, who is calling the shots? What are they doing? And another one I want to give a shout out to is the Texans. You know, they've been through so much crap with like the Deshaun Watson saga and the Bill O'Brien saga and all this crazy stuff. It was really cool to see them. I mean, I don't think they necessarily smashed it to the level that the Jets did, but they definitely made some really solid picks. They got some really solid players in. They're going to have a little bit of excitement, at least, in their facility this year, I think, with their team, with the people that they're putting out on the field. So I think it was really, there was a lot of really good feel-good stories, you know, that came Mm -hmm. out of the draft that I was really excited about. Um, But really importantly as well, what was your favorite food that you had over draft weekend? Cooter Doodle, I'll, I'll let you lead the floor because I feel like you're probably going to have a pretty awesome answer. I mean, boiled crawfish, does that count, right? I have never had boiled crawfish, so I will oh, say that it does so count. Good. Is that a good thing? Does it taste good? Oh, it's so good, yes. We went to a boil. Everyone was there. You have all the sides, the potatoes, the sausage. Good day Did you outside. Have jambalaya? No, we didn't. We didn't. But that, like, we eat that all the time. So I love jambalaya. We've got the food. We've got the food down here. You really do. I need to go. I need to go someday. Uh, what about you, Pat? What was the in Vegas? What was the best thing that you had to eat all weekend? Well, I'm jealous of Cooter Doodle because that is some <laughs> regional cuisine there, and uh, you know, crawfish is just amazing. I'd love to go to one of those boils sometimes. Uh, but we went to this good place before the draft on Friday downtown called Pizza Rock, and they do a fantastic pizza. It's like a block off Fremont Street if you're ever in Vegas. Um, well worth hitting. Like that's, I, I think the best pizza I've ever had in Vegas. So that was a good base to, uh, Thursday night. We kind of forgot to do the dinner thing before we started uh, putting the beers down. So, uh, you know, that made for a rough Friday morning. And, uh, by the time we got to pizza rock, like we were ready to, to eat some grease. So that, that did the trick. Had you do they still do Vegas? those like incredible, like, do they still do those incredible like buffets? Last couple times I was in Vegas, they had these big like breakfast buffets that were like two dollars or something. <laughs> like you have like this like a mile long like just tray of all the different types of sausages and bacon and eggs. It was delightful. Yeah, and a lot of them like you can still do the cheap downtown buffets. Uh, and a lot of the other places they're expensive. There can be long lines. We didn't hit any of the buffets this time, but yeah, you can definitely still rookie uh, mistake. Get your buffet on. <laughs> That is awesome. Um, yeah, so I mean, just then quickly, I wanted to get your guys' takes on was there any sort of rookies? Obviously, Kududal, you may just say Chris Alave because he's your favorite rookie now that he plays for the Saints, but was there any sort of rookies that you, uh, throughout the draft process, just jumped out at you as like, wow, their stock has gone way up after the draft, or vice versa, like their stock has plummeted after the draft compared to what we thought it might be? For me, it wasn't so much the rookies stock, but it's the counterparts, right? So like the Jets drafting another running back and things like that. That to me is where the shifts really occur, you know? No, exactly. I mean, what do you think, think, Cooter? I mean, what are your couple couple of names then that jumped out to you? Like you mentioned, obviously, Michael Carter. That breaks my heart to talk about. I might might well up here if we talk about it too much, but that's a really good one. Is there anybody else that kind of jumped out to you that you were like, man, this person just... I mean, I'm obviously higher on Hertz now. He's not somebody that I really had before in any leagues, but like I'm not afraid of it, I guess, as much now. I'm not worried about it. I'd I'd be interested to actually probably go try to pick him up a few places if they're, you know, if it's not too high, but... No, that's a really good one. Hurts, I mean, the fact that, uh, again, no quarterbacks taken, the fact that they are loading up on weapons for him, mm-hmm. that's a brilliant one. Um, you touched on Michael Carter's being somebody who's really taken a hit. Absolutely. I mean, I've got Carter in a couple of places. I was really excited for him. And I, it's sad because I do think he's a talented running back. And I do think he'll still get some work, but mm-hmm. it'll probably just not be enough. It'll be like a Naeem Hines situation, you know, where it's like, yeah, he'll have those three games a year where he like, gets two touchdowns and like you know he's awesome but you'll just never know when to plug him into your lineup because the the majority of the work unless he gets injured is probably going to go to Brees hall unfortunately so that kind of torpedoed his draft stock one one that i was thinking you know that i was like again with seattle kind of both sides of it drew Locke all of a sudden is like wow he's actually still at this point in time potentially fantasy relevant you know which we didn't expect 
Um, but at the same time, for the running back room, ouch, like Chris Carson and Rashad Penny truthers are are having a rough time at the moment with Kenneth Walker coming to town. So, you know, I would certainly, you know, spare a thought for them. Uh, what about you, Pat? Was there anybody that jumped out to you that was like a real vet or even just a rookie that was like a real, wow, massive uh, change in value from the after the draft? You guys hit the vets pretty good. Obviously, Michael Carter just completely torpedoed. Um, and as Cooter said, like, I, I'm happy for Jalen Hurts. I think that's good for him. Yet, I think those individual pass catchers for the Eagles all sort of collectively lost some value. Devonta Smith, uh, A.J. Brown, Dallas Goddard. Going to a team that I, I don't think the Eagles are going to be as run heavy as they were last year, but there was a certain point around midseason after which they ran the ball like 63% of the time. It was just crazy. And I know part of that is having a running quarterback on, on plays that maybe started as design passes that went for scrambles but um you know they were they were finding ample carries for like all of miles sanders boston scott uh jordan howard so as for rookies uh james cook like i think there were going to be a lot of these running backs who we didn't know what order they were going to go in or where they were going to go and depending on landing spots they could really see their stock go up and uh, on that list, like James Cook for sure going to Buffalo and, and being the guy. You know, some people thought they might get Brees Hall. And now I don't think he's going to totally displace Singletary, but I do think he's going to have a pretty meaty role there. Damian Pierce, I mean, the Texans, like, it was never going to be the Marlon Mack show in Houston. And granted, there probably are not going to be a lot of touchdowns to go around, but, like, Pierce is this guy who was badly misused by Dan Mullen at Florida in college. Um Tyler Algier going to a pretty wide open spot in Atlanta, and then Atlanta has cut uh, Mike Davis early this yeah. week, and then mm. and then I'll mention one wide receiver, and this is just kind of a guy I like a lot, uh, David Bell, who was a productive three year guy, Big Ten freshman of the year, is an eighteen year old receiver at Purdue, averaged eight catches and better than a hundred yards a game over a three year career, and part of that was while Rondell Moore was there putting up big numbers. Um, and, you know, got really knocked. Like, people thought the combine when he ran a slow time was just going to be the death of him. But then the Browns invested third-round capital in him. He's going to be playing with a, a, you know, good quarterback in Deshaun Watson and probably just replacing Jarvis Landry as the Browns' slot guy. And wouldn't be surprising to me if he was, like, the second most targeted receiver on the Browns after Amari Cooper. Yeah, no, I think those are all really good shouts. I mean, I definitely have to give myself a pat on the back here because when my my pre pre running back my pre draft running back grades, I had James Cook as my RB four, and some people were giving me a lot of stick for that. And I just really loved the skill set. I loved his pass catching. I loved the speed. I think he's a better runner than people think. So with him going as the third running back off the board, I was ecstatic with that. Um, you know, a couple of the other guys that I had quite highly, Brian Robinson Jr., I had him as my RB5, I think, in the class. And he went and, you know, he got that day two draft capital in Washington. Kind of a bummer for Gibson Truthers. I think that he's going to cut in on some of that work. It could become more of a Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams sort of timeshare, possibly. Um, but yeah, no, I think those are really good. Tyler Algier is a fantastic one. I think he's a little bit um, slept on at the moment. I think people weren't too hyped on him, but he was pretty productive in BYU. And the fact that he's gone, I mean, ultimately, especially at the running back position, opportunity is king. So he's in Atlanta. They don't have anybody. You know, they literally, the one guy they did have, they've cut. So I, I think wheels are up for him. And at the moment, I mean, I just had a rookie draft today, and I think I got him in like the mid-third round or late-third round. So it's not going to cost you much to grab him. I think that's a really good one. Damien Pierce is awesome. I think he could be really, really good this year. And again, people aren't too hyped on him because I think they just don't like the Texans in general. But again, another one that you didn't mention that I will shout out here uh, John Mechie the third, you know, he went to the Texans there with the day two draft capital. He's a very talented wide receiver. He comes from Alabama. He had the same sort of injury as Jameson Williams. So there might be a little bit of like people being down on him. But I think as far as vets, he's not a, he's not been long in the league, but wheels up for Davis Mills as well. He didn't get replaced. He's got better weapons. He's got a better supporting cast. I mean, I think that there's definitely some guys that I would be out there kind of, you know, kicking tires on. And Jelani Woods. I love Jelani Woods. Super athletic. Um, he ended up being the second tight end drafted. And he went to a place in Indianapolis where they, A, don't have an existing established tight end at the moment. And 
and a system that is tight end friendly. I mean, Frank Reich historically loves using tight ends. Um, and we know that Matty Ice used tight ends. He used them last year with Kyle Pitts. He's used, uh, you know, he, he managed to make, um, you know, multiple different tight ends over his career fantasy relevant. So I think that's certainly somebody worth uh, looking into in your rookie drafts, definitely. And a sneaky one that you can get practically for free, probably at the very end of your rookie drafts, and not a lot of people are talking about, somebody I really like is Danny Gray. So he managed to get that day two draft capital just snuck in there at the very end of the San Francisco 49ers. Dude is a burner. Um, I actually heard, I believe it was Dane Brugler say that if there is a Darnell Mooney in this draft class, it'll be Danny Gray. And I understand why he says that, you know, it comes from a smaller school. He's got an amazing story. Like he just, he had such a hard upbringing and he kind of like was out of school as a freshman in high school, had to look after his younger siblings, had a, you know, a guy step in and just mentor him as like a father figure, help him get back on the right tracks. He was ineligible to play D1 called football because of his grades he had to go to juco he's just such an underdog story but he's he's a burner he's super fast he gives the san francisco 49ers something they don't have on their offense at the moment and with lance taking over we know lance has that beautiful deep ball and there was rumors that they wanted to get um they actually wanted to get christian watson you know to reunite the two of them for their for their offense so the fact they weren't able to get him they went danny gray i think he's somebody you can get for like the in the fourth round or maybe even just off the waiver wires after rookie drafts i think he could be worth a stash at this point in time Guys, thank you so much for your time. We've talked and talked and we could keep talking, but I know that you're both very busy people and I appreciate your time. I don't want to take advantage of it. And I know that um, you both have important meetings to go to. So guys, thank you so much. Again, if you don't follow Cooterdoodle at Cooterdoodle on Twitter or Pat Fitzmorris at Fitz underscore FF, go and rectify that immediately. Check out their work over at Fantasy Pros at Matthew Berry Fantasy Life. And guys, Thank you so much for coming on. Is there anything you want to shout out, um, Cooter Doodle? Anything else you want to plug before you go here? That's it. I just want to thank you again for having me on. That was an absolute pleasure. And um, Pat, what about yourself? Other than being the Fitz Magic of fantasy and dropping hot, hot, tasty uh, takes every every week on the Fitz Magic on Fantasy podcast and all your amazing work over at Fantasy Pros, is there anything else you want to shout out? Yeah, um, just you know, there's a lot of draft fallout this week at fantasypros.com and uh, people should check out the dynasty uh, podcast, the fantasy pros dynasty podcast this week and fits on fantasy. We'll be doing a lot of post draft recapping. So check that out. And uh, Evan, thank you so much for having me back and Cooter. It was great to finally meet you. You too. Yeah. Thank you so much for both of you guys for coming back. Don't be strangers. Love having you on the show. You're welcome anytime. And uh, yeah, guys, thanks so much for joining us. Hopefully you enjoyed the NFL draft. Hopefully you're getting ready for your rookie drafts. I'm sure we'll have some more rookie content coming soon, more mock drafts and things like that. Stick with us. Have a great week and make sure and check these guys out. I draft zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver? Nah, I couldn't be mean. My fifth wide receiver and it's only round seven. Not sure if I'm dead, cause I think this is heaven. Now forget what he said and listen to me. What you really want to do is stack those RBs. You can be Linda, just let me be frank. Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank. One says it's awful, the other says it's great. It's time to buckle in for a Dynasty debate.